Hello and welcome back to our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Girls is the coffee and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And on this week's episode, we are going to be discussing episode 13 of season three called Dear Richard and Emily. Or as I like to call it, the flashback episode. The flashback episode. And before we do that, we have some more questions from the audience that we want to answer. Yeah. Um, so while we were in quarantine, we did quarantine queries and I felt that was really fun. Yeah. We asked people to send, uh, send in questions for us, hence the queries. Yeah. For us to answer. Um, and it was a way to guys kind of get you guys involved in the show a little bit too. And I liked answering the questions cause debate ensued. So randomly threw one up there and said, we can answer some before this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them we already answered on the story. Other ones we're going to answer today. Um, the ones that we answered on the story had to do with my love of Starbucks. Yes. Um, they're not sponsoring us. Just let it go. They're not. But, like, if you know somebody that works there, help a girl out. Because <laughs> <laughs> these damn mango dragon fruit refreshers are so damn good. Have you ever tried one? I haven't. Okay. Interesting, because today I got one for free. Because I had accumulated enough points. Oh, right. And you can pick whatever size you want. So I got the Trenta. Did you even know a Trenta existed? Because I didn't. A Trenta. I did not. Yeah, it's bigger than the biggest size. Oh, so it's like, um, what is it? Like Venti is the biggest one, and then there's Trenta? There's Trenta, but I didn't know that existed. Jeez. And I was like, oh, they have a Trenta option? So I, like, clicked, and I was like, oh, they're probably going to make me pay, or it's not covered by the points. No, it's covered. <laughs> it's covered. And I drank, like, half, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I put it in the fridge for later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was really excited. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from my love of Starbucks. That's literally the only thing I drink at Starbucks, by the way. Yeah, it, it's actually a really weird thing is how neither of us drink coffee and we have a podcast with coffee in the title. Yeah, we actually got a, a, a message from a fan was like, you guys have a we have, you guys have a podcast called Coffee with Shadow Cynicism, but you don't drink coffee. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's act, I think it's actually quite apropos because it's like we like we like the concept of drinking coffee in regard to Gilmore Girls. But we don't like coffee in real life. No, I used to drink coffee. Fun fact about me. I used to drink coffee because um, around grade 11, 12, like I really wasn't sleeping very well, mm-hmm. even, even worse than I am now. <laughs> um, so I used to drink coffee. And then years later, when I got my job at the hospital and I would work night shift, I would kind of drink coffee. But it didn't sit well with me. Can't so, imagine why. I, I'm already anxious enough. Mm-hmm. Um, bouncing off the walls very jittery very like oh no it was bad and then one time in New Brunswick they offered me coffee like at a board meeting Mm -hmm. and I was like it's gonna be weird if I don't take coffee because it's free and like whatever I had like eight sips and I swear to god I went to work and they're like are you okay (laughs) (laughs) anyways so that's why we don't just take something because someone's offering it I know but I felt like it's the Greek in me you're like oh I'm gonna be so rude if I don't take it but um so yeah never again um but I do drink tea I don't know if you're a big tea drinker so I actually don't drink coffee or tea okay 
Um, if you ever see me with a Starbucks cup, it's just hot chocolate. That's the yeah. only. That's the only thing I drink. Yeah, that. Well, yeah, my go-to order at uh, Starbucks is hot chocolate too. But then they came out with this deliciousness. <laughs> my world has been turned upside down. Okay, so let's get into some of these questions. Um, Luke and Jess are both dying. Who do you save? Are you for real? What the hell kind of question is that? Listen, I think it's super interesting. <laughs> oh my god, you're like, okay, let's get into these questions. Woo-loo-loo. Who's they're both yeah. dying. Pick one. I Jesus started off with a bang. I started off with a bang. I wanted to first of all, I know what you're gonna answer. Um Okay, well, as a shocker to no one, Jess, obviously. Yeah. But hmm. But which Jess? What do you mean? Like reformed Jess or Jess back then? As in like the Jess from season six or Yeah, the Jess, Jess from season six or Jess from season three. Um why or, isn't both why isn't both an answer? No, or Jess from the Revival. Okay, not from the Revival. Oh, you didn't like him in the Revival? Okay, just not as pretty in the revival. Sorry. Um, uh, I'd have to go with like season two, Jess. Oh damn. Yes. Really? Uh, Even though he was a dick. Final answer locked in. All right. I don't know. I would have to go with reform, Jess. Like seasons two and three, Jess, but not. not yes, like could- obviously all versions, if that's an option. But you said no, so I'm gonna go with season two. I make two the rules. Oh, she makes um, the rules. I make the rules. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think he had too many shitty qualities, season two and three. Okay, fine. Which one would you save? I just said I would pick Reform Jess in season six. So you wouldn't save Luke either? <laughs> oh, I have a big problem with Luke. And you have a problem with the actor, too, so. I have a big problem with the actor. But, no, actor aside, I think, because when Jess reforms, mm-hmm. um, no, so, like, Whereas Jess reforms, Luke's problems are still very evident in the revival. Yes. And I still get fucking annoyed with him in the revival. Okay, I see what you mean. Like, Luke was already an adult who didn't really overcome his problematic elements, whereas Jess was a teenager who kind of grew past his angst. Yeah, and tried to make the best of the shitty situation that he was thrown into. Okay, I see what you mean. You see what I mean? Yes. Okay, I'll accept that. Oh, now you make the rules. (laughs) All right. So we started off with a bang. Now we're going into another question here. Um, What are your favorite series apart from Gilmore Girls? Oh, boy. Settle in, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm kidding. You go first. Um, Favorite series other than Gilmore Girls? Uh, Parenthood. Okay, yes. Um, I love The Good Place. I could never get into that. Like, I sh- it wasn't my cup of tea, I don't think. Not your cup of tea? How come? I don't know. Like, I'm just not really... I wasn't really into it. I wasn't into the whole, like... Um, not not that it was supernatural, but it was... Um, I am so Yeah, and kind of just, like, it was super, like, metaphysical. And it was, like, I'm... It was, it was like, too, I guess it was just too much, like, out, too out there. Okay. Okay. Like, um, I, I, I see the appeal, but for me, it was, like, eh, too much, too much work. No, I get it. I will say that this past season, mm-hmm. I don't even know what season I watched. 
Okay, the season that I finished, I think season four I finished watching. I think it was only on for four seasons, no? No, okay, so then I finished season three, sorry. Okay. I haven't seen season four yet, but I finished season three, and it got too out there for me, mm-hmm. but the acting was elevated in it, in my Yeah, opinion. and I think that's where some of the critical acclaim comes from, is that like they like the writing and they like the acting. Yeah, so that's the thing. I really love the acting in the past season that I just watched in season three. Mm-hmm. But, like, after a while, you get kind of tired with the storyline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's it's still enough to keep me interested, and I still want to see season four to see how it, like, concludes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I can get what people say. I, I understand the critique that it kind of gets from, well, from people like you that say that they can never get into it kind of thing. So I have a theory about shows that only run, that have run for four seasons. Yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say only four seasons, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it's like in terms of network television, it's not like super long, right? No, but so, I don't think it was a show that was meant to go on for very long. No, no, for sure. But um, it was meant to finish how it finished. Yeah, exactly. And I think, but I think uh, in terms of other shows on network TV that have only like only run for four seasons and then get canceled, it's like, it's if they follow a weird structure that I've noticed, because I've watched a bunch of shows that have been on for four seasons, and it's usually like they start off like super strong, like first season is like excellent, you love it, like obsessed. Mm-hmm. And then season two either is a complete shift and it's different and you people kind of lose it. And then they realize, oh crap, we lost our initial audience from season one. Let's yeah. go back to let's go back to basics in season three. But then by that point, they've already lost too many viewers, and the ratings go down. And then by season four, the network's like, bye bye. Yeah, so I think that applies to a lot of uh, a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily just for four seasons, but I think you could you can even also apply that theory to Gilmore Girls. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like I think a lot of people didn't like the story arc where Lorelai and Rory weren't speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, they lost a lot of viewers because of that. And then they could never recover in season seven. And um, also season six itself was just very aggravating. And we're, I'm going to have a lot of feelings when we get there. Because there's, other than Rory and Lorelai not speaking, there's just a bunch of issues I have with season six. Okay, well, hold on to those. <laughs> hold them up and bury them deep until we get there. But, um, no, I know what you're saying because, I don't know, it always comes back to this for me, but, like, the OC, the same thing happened. It lasted for four seasons. Exactly. Um, I don't know. But I think The Good Place, I don't know why we keep talking about The Good Place, but The Good Place for me, like, it's kept its storyline pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just tiring after a certain point. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing, I mean, I haven't seen The Good Place, so I can't say for sure, but um, I think the, a similar thing happened with Ugly Betty, which yes. I watched, where, like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say it, it followed the structure of, like, first season good, second season different, and then you lose your viewers, and then you slowly lose everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I think with that show, like, seasons one and two were really good, and then it just started to get, like, annoying in season three. Like, they just didn't really have anything, anything else up their sleeve. And then yeah. by season four, it's like, please put us out of our misery. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, other TV shows that I watch, we both watch Shit's Creek and we love it. Yes. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I really like. And what else do I like? I don't know. You go now. <laughs> I, <laughs> we know. <coughs> Shit. Sorry. 
We know Jeffrey really loves Desperate Housewives. Yeah, so that was maybe my first one. I was going to say Desperate Housewives for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would have to say uh, either... So Desperate Housewives, then Will and Grace, mm-hmm. I would have to say. Uh, Shit's Creek, definitely. I'm hesitant to include, like, Friends any like at this point. Because, like, I'll always love Friends, but I've seen it way too many times now. So it's like... You know, watch something else, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll say Desperate Housewives, Will and Grace, Schitt's Creek, um, Modern Family. Yeah. And a whole other, a whole lot of others that are not coming to mind right now. But oh, I recently posted about sex education that you haven't gotten into yet, right? Still haven't. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know that I have a hard time with, like, shows on streaming services. Like, original shows, like, where it's just a whole season is released in one shot, and it's, like, I feel overwhelmed. I'm, like, I have to somehow enjoy all of this in one sitting. No, you don't. You can pace yourself. I know. I just, I ha- I'm just i just weird. I can't, I don't know. It's, no, I, I think that, too, though. I get it. And I think that's what, that's the problem I have with The Good Place. Mm-hmm. It could be why I, like, fell out of love with it, because it's easy when a show is 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. To say, oh, I can watch, like, three episodes within the span of an hour, right? Yeah. But then you get so much overload at the same time. Yes. And we've talked about this before, and we're probably going to talk about it again. But back back in the day, <laughs> the reason it was so much easier to enjoy a show is because you had a week to sit with it and, and digest it. Yeah, and it's not even that for me anymore, because half the time, you know, I will just record a show and I'll probably have a couple saved on the PVR to, to catch up on. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just more the fact that, like, when a season, like, on uh, on Netflix or Prime Video or anything, when an original show is released all in one shot, like, the first season is 10 episodes released all at once, it's almost like I feel compelled that I have to kind of fit, like, I feel compelled to finish it, but I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, if, like yes. if it was a show that was on week by week, it's like, I could watch one and not feel any obligation, because a whole week's gonna go by, and then I don't have, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. Like, I feel like when the, all the episodes are released at once, it's like, here they are. Yeah, I know. To enjoy them. Yeah, I think that's why I also fell out of love with Orange is the New Black. I never watched that. Because you would, you would wait for it, because they would come out once a year. Yeah. And shows like that also, it's like you wait you wait for a whole fucking year. You feel obligated to watch it all at once because everyone else is and you want to talk about it. Exactly. And then you're like, fuck, now I have to wait a whole other year. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't watched the last two seasons of Orange is the New Black because, I, I, like I said, I fell out of love with it. Um, okay. Shall we move on to the next question? Please. Um, who are your favorite actors... No, wait, what is it? Oh, who are your favorite best looking actors? It's a weird sentence, but. I think we've already talked about my husband's, but you can go first. I guess they want to know who we find attractive. Okay, that's a whole other podcast, honey, but um, you go first. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. No, you go first. I have to think about it. Okay, we're talking actors, right? Um, Yeah. Okay, so I've already talked about um, Jack Fallahy from How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah, you have. Uh, top tier, always number one. Even though he's proved time and time again that he's heterosexual. 
Um, sadly, heterosexual. I'll pray for you. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> what we're saying. Um, I would have to say so. It would be him, then uh, Milo, then Tamiglia, but like Gilmore Girls era Milo. Not 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 present day. Okay. Even though he's like not terrible looking in present, but it's like he's more of a dad look now. Well, yeah, he's forty one. I know. <laughs> so like teenaged Milo. Okay. Um. Okay, why is it that I can think of these every hour of the day, but now I'm like... <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you on the spot now. Um, who else? Who else? I who love else? Chris Evans. Okay, is that... Well, okay, that's from a... He's like a movie actor. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought we were talking... So there's like a whole other category. Do you want TV? you want movies? you want... Well, you've clearly thought about this more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I think Chris Evans is super attractive. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. Lately, because the Twitterverse is obsessed, is like re-obsessed with Twilight. Robert Pattinson has been popping up everywhere on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I think he's very pretty. Yeah, he's like he's he's. I find he's like aged well and like. But I don't. Age- it's more his personality for me that I'm like, oh, okay. you're so goofy, and I love you. <laughs> but that jawline, though. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't have many. But you know when you like a you know when you like an actor because of the character they played? Yes. So, I think that's what it is for me with Chris Evans. Yeah, because like there's also it's also easier like in the the age of social media to like get to know a star's personality, right? Yeah, but so. isn't it crazy how like one tweet can just turn you off completely? You can say David Sutcliffe, it's fine. Oh no. I, but I never thought he was attractive. <laughs> Yeah, tool. Um, I would. Ha- oh, I also have to say uh, Justin Hartley, who's on This Is Us, but he. But but I know him better because right before he, this, this Is Us started, he was on The Young and the Restless. So. But also, see, here's an example of how one tweet can fucking destroy it for you. Apparently, he broke up with his wife over text. I wasn't really sure what happened there. Like, I feel like it was a lot. There was a lot of celebrity gossip that was blowing it out of proportion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, so, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, now in the, now you, 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 now I feel like you get insight into celebrities that you never got before, mm-hmm. and it also kind of shapes the way you see them, right? You also have to, like, take it with a grain of salt, right? Because yeah, social course. media blows everything so far out of proportion. It's coming from their lips. Yeah. Or their fingers, as it were. Anyways, I don't have really any others. It's hard. It, there's a long list that is suddenly blank for me, but those I'll give you those three. All right, we'll tweet about them. If that <laughs> okay, we'll do one last one and then we'll get to the episode. And this is one that we actually um, kind of talked about in our story, but I didn't actually give an explicit answer because I think this question is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Would you rather Rory end up with Dean or Lorelai end up with Christopher? I saw this question and was very triggered. So yeah. I was also very triggered and I'm like, this is the worst fucking question ever. Fuck you. And I gave her the finger. <laughs> I don't I didn't mean it by the way. I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I'm just like Yes, curse this question. Yeah, I wrote like curse this fucking question and curse you, dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. <laughs> I was like, I don't my brain hurts. <laughs> um Do you have an answer? So Okay, this is extremely difficult. 
Um, I would have to say, I think I hate Christopher a little less. Um, but at the same time, I don't, at the same time, they're both a certain level of toxic that I don't want either of them having to live with forever. So, yeah. Um, this is, I really, really hate this question. Please don't ever send us questions like this again. No, you can't. I think I'm tearing up now. Um, (laughs) let's, okay. I'm going to go with Christopher. The the thought of Dean forever is like, makes me want to vomit. So the thought of Christopher forever is like, okay. No, but like he's already old. Maybe he'll die soon. Oh, I see. Oh, in that case, um, yeah, Christopher, I'll push him down the stairs. See? There you go. I can't answer this question. I've had I've had two weeks to think about it, and I still can't answer the question. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Because <laughs> they know we hate them both so much. I know. Like... So, like, on the one hand, I'm like, yes, people are actually listening to our podcast. On the other, curse you. <laughs> curse you for making me choose. But you've also got us with this question. Like, you're like, hmm, what kind of question can I ask them? And you're like, ha I'm going to, like, get you so bad. Yeah. So, I, I still, I, I can't. I still can't answer the question. Every time I think I've settled on an answer, I'm like, but, but this, no. I know. <laughs> so, um, my answer is inconclusive. Okay, I was going to say you're going to go with no comment. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with I don't fucking know. That's, that's, that's the answer to the fucking question. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. I can't do it. Um, we have some other ones, but we'll save them for a future episode. Okay. And in the time that we answered that other question, I thought of two more actors we can add to my list. Oh, go ahead. Um, as our Instagram followers know, uh, Ben Platt, for sure. Mm. And <laughs> I also, and as Eleni knows, I also, I'm very, um, very deeply in love with an actor who is on Orphan Black. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is one of my all-time favorite shows. You can actually add that to the list of shows that I love. Um, His name is Jordan Gavaris. He's Canadian, and uh, he's very pretty and unfortunately married, but at least he's he's on my team this time. Okay? So I have that one on my side. All right. So that concludes this week's episode. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I just Googled him. I show. I remember I sent you the pic. Remember I sent you his post, and I was like, "I'm obsessed yeah, with him." I'm sorry, he looks twelve. What do you mean? You just he, you just Googled him. He looks twelve. You mean like a picture from the show when he didn't have a beard? No, listen. I'm looking at fucking Google images at all these images, and in every single one of these images, he looks like his balls haven't dropped. Okay, so I'm not really sure why we're friends, but we're going to continue this episode of the podcast, and whether we return next week is uh, not yet confirmed. Oh, Lord. You chose Chris Evans. How can I argue with Chris Evans? Everyone knows he's beautiful. Well, pick better looking guys. Why don't you pick someone who's like not as mainstream pretty, and then we'll see where we'll see where you land. Yeah, I don't really like. Oh God, he looks terrible. Oh. You li- oh my god, you are the worst. Okay, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm closing <laughs> Google now. Moving on to the episode. If Jeffrey will allow it. Oh, I'll allow it. I'm not sure I'll, allow- I'm not sure I'll listen to you anymore, but I'll allow it. Well, it's going to make for a very boring podcaster. <laughs> All right, ready? Yes. This week's episode is called Dear Richard and Emily. Making back- reference. What? I was going to say, does backpacking appeal to you at all? 
Um, backpacking does not appeal to me because I have a bad back. But I've stayed in hostels before, and they're not terrible. Have you? When was that? Um, when I went to Italy in 2017. Oh, yeah, I remember that trip. So, fun fact. <clears throat> oh, my God, what's wrong with me today? Fun fact about me. Um, I don't like spur of the moment <laughs> trips. You don't say. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's not good for me. Like, when I plan a trip, I literally in 20, I think 2014, I went to London, Vienna, and then we finished in Santorini in Greece, and then came back, me and my friend. And we were there for, I think, a little over two weeks. We literally spent two and a half days planning every single one of our days. Yeah. And that to me is like dream because I need to, I need, it was the first time traveling alone. And so I need to know what I'm doing, where I'm going. And I made my mom a guide with like the Canadian consulate numbers and whatever. Um, my friend that I was traveling with in 2017 is very spur of the moment. Oh dear. Yeah. So it was very weird trying to mix our styles of travel. Yeah. I was always pushing her. I was like, okay, well, we need to know where we're going to stay. We need to know what's happening, like whatever. I'm like, I don't need a full on plan of what we're going to do every day, but at least a loosey goosey one. Cause I was trying to have to, I was trying to meet her halfway. Right. Yeah. She was telling me you worry too much when I left for Croatia or wherever the fuck she went. Cause she traveled. Well, not anymore, but she travels like every two months. She's like, I literally booked my hostel while I was waiting to board the flight. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So that's, there's like, there's fly by the seat of your pants. And then there's just like, two, then there's just like, I don't, I don't plan at all. Yeah, no, she's very like, she doesn't stress, which in a way I kind of envy. But at the same time, I mean, listen, that trip was all kinds of out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she kind of pushed me a little bit, but I can't. I was like, I need to at least have a plan of where I'm going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we stayed in hostels. We stayed in, I think, four different hostels because we, like, city hopped. Mm-hmm. And it was good. It was fine. One of them was a little bit ugh, but we were only there for two nights, so I can suck it up kind of thing. But super cheap. Mm-hmm. I think I paid 13 Canadian dollars per night for one of them. <laughs> like... Let's go. <laughs> yeah. But can I just say, you know, I've also spent a lot of time think- thinking that I envy people who don't stress over those kinds of things and, like, people who can just go and not plan and not worry. Yeah. See, like, it's obviously an issue for me to, like, plan too much sometimes. But but on the other hand, like, it's, it's not just, like, go- going out of your comfort zone and, like, not planning. Like, there's also, like, just not planning is not being safe. So. No, for sure. I don't feel like, so when people like her, obviously, like, I booked my last hostel getting on the plane. I'm like, that's just not safe. Like, that's just, like, you could not have a place to stay that night. Yeah, you could be sleeping on the fucking beach. <laughs> so I feel like there's, we're, we're just going to wing it, which I feel like you, you have, I feel like you have to define what, uh, like, how far you're going with winging it. Yeah, like, I don't mind winging what we're going to do that day. Um, because you're in Italy, there's always something to do, right? Mm-hmm. But I do mind winging where we're gonna sleep for the night. Yes. Uh, but whatever. Um, it was a fun trip. I do have to say though, I do not see the Gilmore Girls backpacking through Europe. It's they, like they're way they're, too high maintenance. Come on. And it's weird because we don't. Obviously, we don't actually get to see them do it. So it's strange. no. We, 
we see them come back from their trip and apparently, well, we're made to believe that it was a successful backpacking trip, but I don't see them. I don't, I don't see them backpacking. Staying in hostels, yes, that's fine. I do not see them backpacking. I feel like there would have been a lot of emotional breakdowns that we just don't get to see. Especially since, like, later on in the season, we see that they, they're having trouble, like, fitting all their belongings into one giant backpack. Yeah, so how exactly did you carry all of that around Europe? Ugh, whatever, I don't care. And it's fine with, like, the spontaneity of, like, oh, well, we want to get on a train and go to Spain, and we want to go to Italy. I don't think they did that either, let's be honest. No, probably not. That's just me assuming, though, but whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. The whole thing was kind of weird for me. It's not even that, like, backpacking doesn't appeal to me. It's, it's like, camping, hostels, etc. Like, to me, honestly, I was I was sympathizing with Richard and Emily when they're like, please let us put you up in a hotel. I'm like, yes, please. I would, like, jump at a chance for you to pay to put me in a fancy hotel. Like, I don't want to sleep in the street. Yeah, but you know Lorelai's not going to take the money from them. Obviously not. I'm, I'm, saying, if it, I'm saying if it was me, I'm like, well, I'm, yeah. more, I'm definitely more of a princess than Lorelai is, so... Um, I don't know about that, but <laughs> there's also a difference between like, you can stay at a cheap hotel and you don't have to stay at like Myra's $500 a night hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you definitely see the difference in their traveling styles. Like Emily's like, yeah, no problem. We'll give you these guidebooks that like encourage you to spend $600 a night in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one's like, we're going to sleep on a park bench, whatevs. <laughs> and those books were from, like, 1986, so $600 yeah, exactly. so, Yeah. You know, they're, like, $1,000 a night now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to dream, I guess, but... <laughs> dang. <laughs> um, I do find it cute, though, that Richard only puts down the newspaper when Rory comes in. Yes, and also because he know like... It's that's like what he wants to pay attention to. It's like, oh, Lorelai's just blabbing again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's had enough of Lorelai's shit. But anyways, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this retirement party from hell. My favorite part, I think, one of my favorite parts of this episode is Suki whipping the cake into the garbage can. That and Michelle's speech about let's just bury him alive, and the wife gets used to eating alone. Yeah, I know. Um. But can we both agree that a Beanie Baby retirement party? That's just kind of disturbing, I want to say. Yeah, I don't I don't know any 65-year-old person that wants a Beanie Baby retirement party. Maybe in Stars Hollow. That sounds kind of on brand. Um, like Kirk, maybe, but who else? <laughs> Miss Patty? Or, no, Babette. Babette more than Miss Patty, yes, you're right. Ugh, I don't know. And the fact that that was the one to stick? Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't know what to think of people sometimes. It's like, it's funny how these weird characters come through Stars Hollow and it's like, they think they're weird, but it's like, where do you think, you attract the weird. Like, where do you think they're they're coming from? I was gonna say, I was like, you know, it's crazy that they think so many things are weird. When I'm like, you literally have a cat store (laughs) in Stars Hollow. Yeah. Um, Le Chat Club. <laughs> like, come on. And Babette, like, talks to her gnomes as if they're her children. Yes. Well, I mean, you could probably find that in a few different 
places, but definitely in Stars Hollow. Oh, but you know what I mean. They have a fucking, what are they, Rooster, Monty, what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> like, let's be honest, Stars Hollow, who are you trying to fool? You're, you're cray-cray, too. Can't forget about Pierpon. Oh, Pierpon, my gnome. Oh, Pierpon. I miss my gnomes. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, so Rory gets an invitation to Sherry's C-section. Um, would we call that an invitation? It was more like a kind of like half a demand. Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't, it was on an invitation. <laughs> um, okay. So here's my thoughts on this. It's one thing to schedule a C-section. Mm-hmm. Which, um, like, do you, if you want to schedule a C-section, I'm not one to judge. Mm-hmm. Um, I did work in a delivery room though. And I, during my time at the delivery room, we were trying to move away from, scheduling c-sections for social reasons Mm -hmm. social reasons being um well i prefer that my baby is born on this date yeah i know um (laughs) whatever so whatever we were trying to move away from that and more like this woman is in her 43rd week of pregnancy it's a danger for the baby let's do a c-section you know what i mean (laughs) um but whatever to each their own i know it's still a big thing in a lot of parts of the world to schedule your c-section yeah. So it's one thing to schedule your C-section if that's what you want to do. It's another thing to invite people to your C-section. But imagine calling a child and asking her to hold her dad's girlfriend's hand during labor. Okay, that is not as weird as calling the dad's ex-girlfriend whom he has a child with to go to the hospital and possibly into the delivery room with her. I mean, at that point, I think it was. Just, I think it was just a daughter calling her mother for help. Yes, but. absolutely. But you know that if Christopher hadn't come in time, Lorelai was going to go in with her. Which, like, on the one hand, I think Lorelai would have done just to be a good person. Yeah. But would not have been comfortable with no. it. So here, because we skipped ahead, whatever. Here's what I what I what I have to say about that. Um. I understand Lorelai going because she recognizes that this is a difficult situation. Her daughter's there alone with this girl. No, no, no. I get it. And it's one thing to go to be there for your daughter. Mm-hmm. But, like, offering to go into the delivery room and, you know, watching her jog in place. And, I don't know, it's too much for me. <laughs> At a certain point, like, I get it. You're a good person. You're there for your daughter. But at what point do you say, like, I'm punishing myself right now? For sure. I think, and I don't actually think that um, Lorelai went with the intention of, like, having to comfort Sherry. I think it was, like, my daughter, my teenage daughter should not be put in that place. So, like, I'm going to rescue her. Yeah, I get that. But, I mean, once you got there and, like, you're being moral support for Sherry... It's like, at what point do you say this is not healthy for me? Because it wasn't that long ago that I was going to jump into a relationship with this guy. You know what I, I mean? Think, yeah. And I think that's why, like, they, the flashbacks work so well in this episode. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the flashbacks yet. There's so much to talk about. But I agree with you. Like, it's it was a really great shift between current day feelings and what she was feeling back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my issue is more like, at a certain point, you have to have, like, some self-preservational skills. <laughs> you know? Like, you have to say this is hurting me more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since we never even see a reconciliation between Christopher and Lorelai. 
No, I think I think the I think the only kind of reconciliation we get at this stage is like um, at the beginning of the season when she says just give it time, and she was talking about Rory, but I think she also met with her. Yeah, too. absolutely. But we never see a formal like they have a sit down talk, whatever. Yes, she goes to the baby shower, so I'm assuming Christopher hears about that. But we've never seen them talk after that, and then all of a sudden she's holding your girlfriend's hand while she gives birth to the baby that essentially destroyed the relationship you might have had. Yeah. So for me, it's more like, are you punishing yourself? Like, I don't understand. I, I think I cut the cord. Yeah. I think on some level it's, it's kind of, I don't think it's personal with Sherry. I think it has to do with no. the fact that she's like, she's, she still feels indebted to Christopher somehow. But which why? Is, which is weird because actually what I wrote down in my notes was why is it that Lorelai and Rory have to still hold Christopher's hand even as he's having a baby with somebody else? But that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, why? Okay, Rory wants to go because she wants to meet her sister. Fine, I get it. Lorelai, Lorelai goes because she's there for Rory. But I mean, at a certain point when, when Lorelai, when Christopher gets there, mm-hmm. your job is done. But it's just weird how, like, Christopher arrives and it's like he sees Lorelai and Rory and it's like, oh, everything is good. They're taking care of it. It's like, no, you're the, you're a, you're a grown and you're a grown man. Like, maybe you should have been here on time. Yeah. So, um, that's another thing that I have a problem with when he swoops in kind of, and he's like, oh, is everything okay? She's great. And they're like, uh, are you coming in? He's like, try and stop me. No, no, no. And it's like, oh, shut up. Like you weren't up. you weren't here. You almost missed it. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's just for me. It's especially since we see the flashback that Lorelai was in the delivery room alone. Mm-hmm. Um, as a sixteen-year-old, Christopher, fuck off. Personally, I think I think she would have been better alone than with Emily, but for sure. Can you imagine Emily, Lorelai? You're not pushing. Push. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um. Okay, let's talk about the flashbacks. So the so, first flashback we have mm-hmm. is when Lorelai walks into the Gilmore house with Christopher in tow and Emily's not there. And Christopher tells her about the plan of backpacking through Europe. Yeah. But my question is, does Lorelai actually want to backpack through Europe? Or is she like nostalgic for a time where she had the option to be young and backpack through Europe? I think the latter. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Um, I think she got really lucky because she wants to, she has a good relationship with her daughter who wants to do it with her. Mm-hmm. But I think for her, she probably never got to go and it's her time to go. And I like the fact that they kind of gave us the origins of the idea. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I like that we get a glimpse into Emily and Richard's life back then. Mm-hmm. So... I love when Lorelai is telling her, uh, well, screaming into the abyss, and she's like, I'm going to register Democrats. Yeah. And then later on in the flashbacks, Emily seems to be very pro life. <laughs> um, so you, as if we didn't already know that Richard and Emily were Republicans by their defense of George W. Bush and Ari Fleischer, <laughs> it kind of confirms it for us. Yeah, and also just, just by the fact that they're so, you know, devoutly conservative. Exactly. Well, that, that was a given, Jeffrey. Come on. Okay, well, you know, 
rich, rich white conservative people in the in America kind of aligned with Republican, don't you think? Yeah, because they don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. But... So the, the flashbacks always make me really sad in this episode because oh, it's just so clear that young Lorelai was so unhappy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's the thing that's the most striking in all the flashbacks. Like, even when Richard and Emily are not there. Yeah. Just miserable. And I think what makes the what makes the flashbacks work so well in this in this episode and in this show is because like as a as a, a family drama with such rich, you know, chemistry and history, I think it's it's like it's apropos because you know like the viewer knows so much about the backstory but they haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So like as you're watching, it's like, oh, that must be when this happened. Because, like, you as a viewer, if you, if how, depending on how dedicated you are, you know, you know the history and you know, you know, what links this person to that person or what happened in the past. Like, you know a lot of the backstory, but you haven't actually seen it with your own two eyes. So it's like, it's super, like, I'll say gratifying to see um, these characters that you've come to love and how they got to the place you met them. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because every time I watch this episode and I see the flashbacks, I always think of when Rory, uh, when Lorelai said, I can still remember the look on my father's face when I told him I was pregnant and he seemed so small to me. Yeah. I have the flashback where he's sitting there in the chair, like looking very sad while the other adults argue. So yeah. It was really striking to me. And then the other one is that when R- Emily's reading the note, mm-hmm. I always flash forward to when Richard tells Lorelai, do you know how hard it was for your mother when you left? She wouldn't get out of bed for months. And, but seeing Emily's reaction, reading the note, how devastated she was, mm-hmm. putting a new face to the story, right? We always get Lorelai saying, oh, yeah, I was miserable, this and that. But you never kind of see Richard and Emily's reaction to that. Yeah. And for me, the flashbacks kind of make Emily seem more human. Yeah, I agree. These really vulnerable moments in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, she's also kind of a badass sometimes. <laughs> like, when she's telling Strobe to fuck off, essentially. Yeah. Um, while Francine is, like, a basket case and Richard's not saying anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it makes you feel a whole bunch of things that maybe you weren't feeling for them in the past. Yeah. And I think about, like, with the, the final flashback scene you mentioned with the notes, I think that's, like, that's probably the most powerful of all of them, because, like, you you do, but you don't know what the note says. Like, you obviously know based on, you know the story that Lorelai has told about how she left home and she ran away and she, you know, knocked on the inn's door and asked for a job and lived in the tool shed. Like, you know all of that just based having, just having watched the show. Yeah. But you don't, like, you, so you, you know what the note says, but you don't know what it says, you know? So you can tell that, like, they're gone, you know, oh, this is the first time I haven't tripped over Rory's stroller, and yeah. like, so you know that they've, they've they've gone, like, she's run away, so, but, like, it's just in that moment, you just see them reading the note, and she starts to cry, like, you, like that's all, that's all that need be said, you know? No, for sure, and I, I, I think the last scene is really, the last flashback, I should say, is really great also in kind of building and letting you imagine what happens later yeah in the sense of like okay so she gets this note like you said we don't know what it says but we can imagine what it says Mm -hmm. especially since we heard the note that she wrote when she went into labor yeah dear mom and dad i'm having a baby talk to you later bye (laughs) 
like what see you later love Lorelai or something like that whatever yeah. so you can kind of imagine it would be like Lorelai's flair but also kind of sad in the sense that she's telling her I'm leaving you can kind of imagine maybe she's she said like I'm not happy here or whatever it is yeah um but it's also a, a rare insight that you see through all the bickering that Lorelai and Emily do Lor- Emily really does love her daughter right yeah, and like you said, it, it makes the char- the flashbacks make the characters more human. In that you we, like you all, you always kind of sympathized with Lorelai because you can tell how stifled she was by her parents. Yeah, just, you know, from season one to present. But you like you also get obviously Emily's side and how you can sympathize with Emily a bit for you know lo- like she loved her daughter and her granddaughter the only way she knew she knew how, but sometimes exactly. that wasn't what they needed. Exactly. Yeah. And it's easier to like, it's, we all know good and well that she loves her daughter, but it's easier in these moments to see her loving her daughter. And I think that is the moment, this episode is a turning point in the series where you kind of see Emily in a different light. Yeah, I think so. Um, at least it was for me. Like I, going forward, I have so much more sympathy for Emily I still think she's a dick sometimes, but I also think Lorelai is a dick sometimes. They're you know? all dicks. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's a it's a different kind of feeling that you have with Emily now. Before mm-hmm. it's like, oh, why does she control her daughter so much? And now you're like, well, Lorelai could be a little bit more sympathetic. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. So for me, it's it's I don't know. <laughs> it was a really sad episode. As funny as it was, it was kind of really sad too. It's sad because you know it's not gonna, like you know the flashbacks aren't gonna turn out happy in the end like you know how the story ends right yeah and like you and they weren't happy to begin with because you can see you can just see how miserable Lorelai was and that's then that's why she used the baby as an excuse not an excuse as a way out yeah that brings me to a question that I have and that I thought about a lot since the revival and I'll tell you why do you think that Lorelai ever considered having an abortion um I don't think so. I think, no. I think maybe it like there was a, a flash of a thought when she found out she was pregnant. Oh crap! I'm 16. My parents are gonna kill me. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe like I think maybe that's a thought that kind of flashes through every person's mind who's in that situation. I don't know. I can't ever speak speak to that. But um, I would think that as a pregnant teenager, you might think for a second like people are going to say my options are this or this. So like, I should think about that now, but I think maybe in Lorelai's head, it was like, that's never what I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay. Cause I always think, and the reason that I'll tell you why I said, I always think about it ever since the revival is because number one, I always think that, well, I get the impression anyway, that Lorelai and Rory are both like li- liberal minded, like feminists. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. Like that's the impression that I always get. Um, so I think it maybe would have flashed, like it had, like you said, a flash in her mind. Maybe this is my option. Um, I do think, like you said, it could have, she could have taken it as uh, this is my way out kind of thing. Kind yeah. of drastic, Lorelai, but okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reason I think about it ever since the revival is because the last four words of the revival is where Rory says, mom, I'm pregnant. Um. Why do we assume that Rory is going to have the baby? Um, 
like every theory that comes out, like if they do have like, or the confessions or whatever, and when they say every, every theory or every confession is always like, I think Rory's going to have the baby and Jess is going to be her gook. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why are we so sure that she's going to have the baby? So listen, I can't ever um, imagine what it's like to contemplate an abortion. I will, I will never be able to give birth. Won the penis lottery. Um, so like, I am not going to even attempt to know what that feels like to consider that. Yeah. Um, I will say that in my personal opinion, you know, uh, your body, your choice. Mm-hmm. But, or not even your body, your life, your choice. Right. Um, your body. Yeah, and for sure the body. But I would, I, like, at least in terms of, you know, Rory, we know, you know I don't like how that, how the revival ended. I mean, I didn't either, but yeah. Um, And personally, I'm doubtful that we'll ever get more Gilmore Girls because you, you should have just taken the revival and had a happy ending for once, Amy Sherman Palladino. But I would have to say that in theory, maybe we, like... They're fictional characters, and I would think that um, the whole idea of, you know, mom and pregnant would be to imply to the viewer that, like, if we were ever to get more, it's that she would be having a baby. I don't think I don't think that abortion is, is necessarily a uh, wholesome or happy topic that would be on brand for Gilmore Girls. Um, no, I think you're right, but I think in bringing Gilmore Girls to 2020 or whatever, 2016 as it was... Mm-hmm. moved away from a WB teen show where they didn't really broach crazy intense subjects. Yes. And it could maybe be an opportunity for them to get more mainstream. So, and so do you think like in theory that they would want, like you would like to see a storyline on Gilmore Girls about Roy having an abortion? It's not that I would like it. I think it's not out of the question that it could be an option. You know what I mean? Like, she's pregnant, right? She got pregnant by a married guy or getting married guy, right? It's not out of the question to think it could be an option for her. The implication implication is that she's pregnant by Logan, right? Yeah, exactly. So her life's a mess. She has no money. The father of her baby has a fiancé and is getting married. Like... Do you think it's out of the question that she would contemplate an abortion? So what I would say, just because you mentioned how it's no longer, you know, a WB wholesome program. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's obviously nothing is out of the question. Like Netflix is no better than HBO now. Like anything, pretty much anything goes. Yeah. Um, I would have to say that I think just, just again, in theory, because I don't think more Gilmore Girls is on the horizon anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But I think that if they were to, you know, pursue the storyline that way, I think it would be extremely controversial just based on the fact that Gilmore Girls occupies a space in so many people's lives as this wholesome world where nothing really ever nothing really ever goes wrong in a way that you think it will. So I think if the, if a show like Gilmore Girls, which does have a history of being a wholesome, happy, fun-loving show. I think if they were to suddenly uh, tackle a storyline such as abortion, it would not be uh, uncontroversial. Um. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Like, you know what I mean? I'm saying if, like, if let's say 
Prime Video or Netflix picks up a second Gilmore Girls revival, and in that revival, they're tackling abortion. Like, I feel like that will just, the media will take that and run with it. So why does it have to be, and this is not a criticism on what you just said, but it's a criticism more on how we talk about abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, why does it have to be that we're tackling abortion? I know. Why can't it just be that abortion happens? And what I what I think of when I say that is, Jane the Virgin did a storyline where a character got an abortion. Mm-hmm. And it was literally a two-episode thing, and it was not a big deal. And she took a pill, and she was fine. Yeah. I would like to see stories move that way. Because mm-hmm. I understand that in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, if, if a character was contemplating getting an abortion or getting an abortion, um, it was a big storyline. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it was talked about a lot. It was a huge thing. Everybody had an opinion, whatever. I would like to see us move away from that and move into um, a world where it's not a big deal. Yeah. Because I don't know if you guys know, but so many women get abortions and they get them for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Women's in their women in their 40s with who already have kids get abortions, women in their 20s who don't want like there's so many, it's such a wide spectrum of people that don't want kids or or I should say have their own reasons for want, not wanting that baby right now. Yeah. So, I would like to see us move away from this narrative of oh well she's gonna get an abortion because she's too young and like that's I would like to see us move away from that and into um a more I guess I guess safe environment where it could just be like yo maybe I don't want kids because my life's a mess and I don't think I could be a mom right now even though you're old enough to visit like you're old enough theoretically in society's eyes to have a kid Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I agree, and I would 100% love to see a world and a media and a culture where abortion is not such a taboo subject that mm-hmm. has to come with controversy and quote unquote tackling abortion. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and I, I never watched Jane the Virgin, so I can't say, but I would think that maybe it was less less controversial on a show like Jane the Virgin because that was a show made in more or less the present era. Yeah. Which I'm guessing we're like you said is moving hope hopefully moving towards some kind of version of abortion where it isn't so hush hush and oh my gosh so much to consider and she's too young and all this all of this like cliche surrounding abortion right mm-hmm. so i would think that if a show like gilmore girls attempted a storyline like that where it where it, it tried to destigmatize abortion into this thing where a character had one just because that was the reality and she wasn't she didn't have the means to be a mother at that time. Um I think if a show like Gilmore Girls did something like that, I I don't I don't think it would be possible to not have controversy just because Gilmore Girls itself exists in a past era. Yeah, I get that. Um so, like, if you want, if I'm saying what I'm saying is like, I would love to see what you talked about um, with abortion being destigmatized on a new show made today. Because, like, yeah. even though uh, even though a Gilmore Girls revival would be new made today, it's still a revival of a show that exists in a past era. So you're still gonna no, get I, people from the past era saying, "Oh my gosh, scandalous." Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. The only reason we're saying it's scandalous is because these are not the this is not the show we grew up with, kind of. Exactly. Because it came in an era where it wasn't that. Like, and I, imagine, imagine the Brady Bunch coming back for a 50,000th revival. And um, they're, you know, 
still children apparently and (laughs) marsha brady has an abortion like you think you think the people who love the brady bunch in the 70s aren't gonna be marsha brady had an abortion like you know what i mean no for sure but i think i get it but on the flip side of that i think it would be a really great opportunity to say here's how these shows have evolved in as the as the times have moved forward right and the last I'll say about that was that I think if anyone can do it, Amy Sherman Palladino can. Definitely. Because she's proven both with Gilmore Girls and with Mrs. Maisel that she's like the ultimate female badass that can, that that really understands the wide spectrum of female stories. Mm -hmm. So I think if anyone could write it in a way that we would all kind of enjoy it, if I will, (laughs) um, I think it's her. Yes, for sure. And I think that would be an interesting subject to see her approach. Yeah. Um, and all like all and all I'm saying is that I don't think it's possible in it's possible today as we're having this conversation to to have a have a subject like that approached in a show from 20, 30 years ago without there being controversy. So I'm just saying like if you were to talk if you I'm saying tackle again, but if you were to approach if you were to approach that subject in a show from a past era, I don't think it's possible to not have controversy. No, I get it. I completely understand what you're saying. And I agree. Um, It's just, I feel like times are moving so slow. (laughs) Oh, yes, they are. Like, we're still stuck in the 50s in some cases. And I'm so annoyed. But speaking of adding more socially conscious topics to um, shows from from past decades, um, I saw, I found a video on Instagram that was made by like an internet comedian where he like, it was an edit he made where he like added a gay character to friends. Okay. And I'll send, I'll send it to you. It was, it's, it's super extra, but it was just funny because it's just like pointing out how heteronormative and straight centric friends always was. Right. So it's like, obviously, obviously you th- like a show like friends would need a gay character if it was made today. But it's like to go back to the 90s where we didn't think so much about how we need gay characters or we need topics like abortion destigmatized. It's like people still like to exist in that mindset when they watch that show. So I think that's why people are so taken aback when they are when you try to put things like that into old shows. No, for sure. But the last thing I'll say about this is that, you know, in the early 2000s, we didn't think it was possible to see. Well, we did because of. Will and Grace, but we didn't think it was pop. We didn't see as many openly gay characters on television shows either, right? Mm-hmm. But in 2016, in the revival, Michelle is out and proud and married. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a whole other whole other story, right? No, but I think like the reason I say it's it could be possible with with Amy Sherman Palladino is that she like, as far as I know, there was no controversy about Michelle being gay in the revival right no and it was kind of like mentioned once you know like that he has a husband now yeah and that they want to have kids it was yeah it was it was like an afterthought even yeah because it was it was made to it was meant to symbolize that like we kind of always assumed that michelle is gay whatever yeah but i mean it's it is possible i think in this day and age to to tackle see see (laughs) in us it is it is possible to approach these subjects. I think it's it's the way in which you do it too. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 and it's still possible to make revivals of old shows and you know update them to more socially conscious themes. Yeah. 
I'll, I'm like, I'm just saying, I, you know, you and me would, you and me would love that. And I'm sure a bunch of other people would love that too. I'm just picturing, I'm just like wired to picture the people on the internet who are going to be all up in arms about how they've ruined this show with uh, propaganda or something. Yeah. But I feel like the people that would be all up in arms by the fact that a show has an abortion in it mm -hmm. are the same people that are going to be offended no matter what. For sure. Like, I feel like they're the same people that are offended when Cheerios has a gay couple in their commercial. Yeah. You know, like, so, so they're I, pushing their liberal agenda on us. Yeah. Well, fuck off. Number one. Number two, it's like you're not going to be able to please everyone. Yeah, never. <laughs> never. But I'm saying, especially these people. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I, and unfortunately, we live in the, we live in the era of Twitter, where every troll has an opinion, and every conservative white man decides to take out his anger on whatever he whoever he hates on the internet, and it's just a little much sometimes. So, in the immortal words of Taylor Swift, you need to calm down. I love it. It's my line usually. <laughs> yes, and now it's now we have adopted it permanently on the podcast. It, it, you need to calm down. Yeah, exactly. But. Um, Whatever. Those were my thoughts. Um, <laughs> they were very long-winded, but it's fine. Um, can we talk about how Jess is, like, trying to get his uncle laid? I know. I'm kind of, like, I think these scenes, those scenes are really cute, honestly. Okay, so I really love, I've said it before, I really love uh, Jess and Luke's relationship. And I think it's, I think it's at its strongest point at this, in this part of season three. Yeah, because they've kind of de developed this, like... I don't know, this camaraderie. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we're not really family. I'm not really raising you because you're technically grown, but I'm responsible for you. And we're kind of friends who like to give each other shit. Like, I don't know how to describe their relationship, but all I know is that I really love it. <laughs> and it's also, it's, it's, it's also reminiscent of a, of a father-son relationship too. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't have the same constraints that I feel like a traditional father-son relationship would have. Yeah, exactly. Jess came to Luke already fully shaped. I yeah. Guess. You know what I mean? But, um, no, I really do love that scene where he's like, okay, so I'm going to go out for an hour or so. It's like, what do you mean? Where are you going? It's 11 o'clock. It's like, just out for an hour. Like, yeah. Like, take the hint, Luke. I know. But, and also, my favorite thing is Kirk going, they have amazing communication skills. <laughs> Which they don't. That's the joke. They don't, but that's what makes it so hilarious. Because two seconds later, Luke is smacking him across the face. Um, but I just find it really, really cute. Uh, also very creepy, kind of. Well, not very creepy. It's kind of icky that you're thinking about your uncle's sex life. No, but kind of just like he, that he wants his he wants him to be happy. So it's like you want him to, I guess, you know, to borrow... A straight man's term, score. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, yeah. Um, no, yes, exactly, I get it. He wants him to be happy, and we said it last week, too, when he was like, are you going to go ask her out, and whatever. He was so proud of him when he finally asked her out. Um, but, yeah, it was um, it was a really cute scene. Mm -hmm. um, what do we think of Nicole now? Um, I, I just kind of find her always a little bit boring, and... At the point where she kind of has potential to become interesting, we don't see her as much. And I think that's why I don't really like this this storyline. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we can talk about it more when they get more serious and everything. 
Because, but, like, when we actually see her on screen, it's, like, just kind of boring filler, yeah. in my opinion. And then when Luke and Nicole's relationship actually becomes interesting, we don't really see her for anymore. Yeah, it's always off-screen when they're... When they get serious, it's off-screen, and that's what I don't like. You're right. Yeah. I can never pinpoint it, but you're right. That, I think that's what it is for me. And I think it may, might have just been done as, you know... Um, what's the word? Like... A uh, bit not not filler, but like kind of background noise for when Lorelai was then dating Jason because he was he was going through that with Nicole when they were together. Yeah. So I don't know if like that was part of the road towards Luke and Lorelai, but yeah. Um. Okay. Last thing I wanted to talk about is how not sensitive to other people's feelings Christopher is. Okay, I think we need to launch a whole spinoff podcast about what's wrong with Christopher. Okay, yeah, but let's like let's briefly touch upon it now. Okay. <laughs> um. So the end scene where he comes out and tells her that, well, when she's like, "Are you a daddy?" The answer is no. By the way, he's not a daddy. He's a sperm donor. We've said it before. <laughs> um. So yeah, she was like, "How was it?" And he's like, "Oh my god, in my wildest dreams, it's so amazing. She's so beautiful. She's." Her. Like, do you not understand what this woman is probably going through right now? No. Yeah, and well, yeah, obviously the answer is no. <laughs> but I mean, like, are you serious right now? And also, like, we don't ever really touch upon the the line that Rory said to him earlier in season three where she says, go be somebody else's dad. Yeah. Like, we don't we don't ever really get a resolution to that conflict you said how we don't get um uh christopher and lorelei officially making up i would have liked to have seen a bit more um conflict slash anger slash yelling at each other with rory and christopher about how you were so prepared to finally be with us and then you're having a baby with her and you're still trying to play nice with me like please go eat a dick Okay. Well, presumably we know that they're good because Rory does mention that they, they started speaking again. But yes, I agree. I would have liked to see Rory's anger come out a little bit more. But I think that also plays into Rory's character. You know, she's always very, I don't know, like amenable. She's not very, she's not very confrontational. She lets things go too easily with family members and whatever. And I'm waiting till till season five when she officially tells him to fuck off. Yeah, she has growing to do in this case, you know? Like, we all reach that point sometimes where, I'm sure you've done it, I know I've done it, where with family members, you're like, oh, you know, it's family, and then, I don't know, a switch goes off or something happens, and you're like, fuck that! Mm-hmm. Um, I've reached it with several family members, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think that definitely comes with age, because when you're younger, at least in my case, you know, you have obligations, you don't want to rock the boat, it's important, I don't know. But, you know, it comes with age in the sense that, like, when you're older and you can make your own decisions, you get to decide where you draw a line. Yeah. And you get to decide what is worth your energy. And sometimes it's just fucking not worth your energy anymore. And -hmm. I think that's what happens with Rory. She's like, yo, I'm in college now. I'm in my 20s. I don't live at home anymore. Like, he, he doesn't reach out to me. Why would I fucking reach out to him, you know? Yeah. So I think I'm still, I'm, we're still waiting for that part with Rory, you know? It will come, but it's still annoying to see um, her be so so great with him now. Yeah, it is. And the reason 
the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I think this is why Christopher can get away with everything. It's because no one ever calls him out on his shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a little bit of it in the beginning of season three where Rory said exactly what you said, like, go be somebody else's dad. But we never really get further than that. No. We're made to assume that they kind of kissed and made up and it was probably Rory driving that. But I mean, nobody ever calls him on his shit. Nobody ever says like, yo, do you realize how fucking weird it is that your ex-girlfriend was holding your new girlfriend's hand while you delivered, while she was giving birth to another baby and you were never there? I'm here staring at your daughter, but you weren't there in the delivery room for your own. Like, you know, it's just fucking weird. It is. Definitely. I would have loved for Lorelai, maybe not in that moment, fine, because he's just became a new dad, or supposedly. But I mean, I would have loved for her to say, yo, this is not okay. <laughs> No, the whole situation reeks of dysfunctioning. It's like you just let you let Christopher completely I'm not gonna say give him all the power, but it's just like you continue to hold his hand yeah. after he has proven time and time again that he is garbage. Yeah, so I think that's where that's why the, the beginning of season three for me was so strong because I was like, Yes, finally someone's calling him out on his shit, somebody's drawing a line, somebody's telling him this is not okay. Mm. And then we we're at episode 13 and we're falling back on old patterns. And I'm like, I'm so exhausted with you people. And it never really gets better, though, because even like in seasons five and six, God help us. Um, it's it's still it, it's it all has to do with Lorelai's feelings towards him. And it's like, no. she, I don't think she ever really resolves that in a healthy way. No, but the problem is that the reason Christopher assumes that he can just call Lorelai because his baby's screaming is because. Well, why wouldn't she come running? She came running when the daughter was born. You know what I mean? Like comes running every time. Whatever. I'm just. I'm like. You guys give Christopher too much power, and he's not worth shit. That he is not. So that was what I wanted to say about Christopher. Is there is anything that, you want to say? Is that all you had to say about Christopher? Not really, but I mean, if if I don't stop now, I never will. <laughs> the condensed version. Yeah, it's the, the Reader's Digest version. Yes. So I wanted to share um, a comment we got on Instagram a few days ago. Mm. Um, just because there was a, um, a post that you had made on our, on our page of a screen cap you'd made from the, the, the Winter Carnival where Jess was telling Clara how annoying she is. Yeah. And your caption was, uh, the Forester has really made some shitty kids because Clara's annoying and Dean's garbage, as we've, as we've pointed out. I thought that was a really clever caption on my part, by the way. It was. I'll give you that. And, um, of course, Dean fans love taking up residence in our comments section and in our mentions on Twitter, just, like, constantly wanting to pick fights, even though every time we point out any anything to the contrary, they're like, well, you know. Or, or your grammar is bad or like some kind of petty retort and it's like okay you came here first to argue yeah honest to god i i, I just want to say this i've never seen a fandom or a team shall we say yeah go this hard like dean fans what is like are you okay like do you need a, do you need a hug they need a hug. The pandemic is getting to them. They need a hug. <laughs> like, I've never, like, when I say this, genuinely, I've never seen, like, I've never, let's just stick with the show. I've never seen anyone react the way, like, when people say, I'm Team Jess, I'm Team Logan, I'm Team Jason, whatever the fuck it is, 
or Max wasn't that bad. I've never seen another team react the way Team Dean does. Yeah. It's and like... it's really scary. And I think it speaks <laughs> to, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think it speaks to what Dean as a character represents. Mm-hmm. That toxicity in our yep. society. Yeah. I think, I think you guys need to take a good long look in the mirror and ask yourselves why you like Dean. <laughs> And if it's not something maybe in your own personal lives that's bothering you, and that's all I'll say. And from the bottom of my heart, please, you need to get a hobby. Okay? So anyway, um, as a result of Dean fans taking up residence in the comment section of that post, there was like a full-on war going on for a few days where people just like arguing back and forth, prompting Eleni to post on our story that um, it's just a television show. It's not worth it to keep going back and forth over these fictional characters from 20 years ago now. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes I kind of want to intervene in the comments. But it's it's hard because they, they just like go on and on sometimes. But yeah, like this, I'm looking at the same thread. It's like 11 comments long and they're huge ass comments. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like getting, the attacks are getting personal. <laughs> Oh, for sure. It's like, one, I think one of them was like, I'm nine years old. I'm like, you're nine years old? Yeah, you should probably get off Instagram if you're nine, but <laughs> I'm not a parent, but that doesn't seem safe. So I wanted to share one comment from that whole war. Mm-hmm. Um, who was This person was defending Jess, but like in a way that I liked how she worded this in, in regard to Dean versus Jess in a way that we've kind of touched on before, but I like how she worded it. So I'm going to read it. So she wrote, I do agree to a certain extent that they did romanticize the bad boy aspect of Jess, but the show definitely had a habit of him being pinned as the bad guy and everyone else was in the right. They glossed over the vast amount of issues he had, having an absent father, being told he's not wanted, being sent away by his mom, and pinned most of his actions on teen angst. I think Dean was always treated like he was a great guy, and it led to him getting away with a lot of things, being super clingy and toxic with Rory, cheating on his wife, berating Rory in public several times. It's easy to find flaws in in his character when you're not able to see him grow rather than decline who he is. Jess, like you mentioned, underwent severe character growth, which is why he's given less crap than Dean is. That's also probably why it's it's easy to romanticize a bad boy aspect of him, but but from from a holistic perspective, it's not hard to. Yeah. So I just, I just liked how she talked about how um, she, I don't know if it's a she, they. Um, I, I just liked how they talked about um, how they did, they did romanticize Jess's bad boy persona. Mm-hmm. And I, think that, I think that that's a bone of contention with a lot of Dean fans. But at the same time, we didn't get to see Dean grow and change in the same way that Jess did. Yeah. The only kind of quasi, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, closure we got mm-hmm. was in the revival where we assume like he's okay he has a, he has four kids and a wife and like he's settled you know in his life but we didn't really get to see um, much growth in his character no even when they get back together in season five he's still very annoyed with her that she has to work on a story and while he's stuck at doses you know like like it's her fault anyways I just I think yeah that's why I also have a hard time with Dean because we didn't see it you know Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, members of Team Jess li- like or love Jess for their own personal reasons. You know, you all know I like, I love him for my own personal reasons. But 
I just I think it's easier to sympathize with Jess because you can just see that he had a bit of a difficult upbringing. You know, he was abandoned by his father, had a total flake for a mother, was sent away. Like, not not to say that, like that condones any of his you know messier problematic reactions to things, but like we saw Jess grow, we saw him grow out of that angst, we saw him like be in a bad place, come back two years later, you know, a fully formed adult. Whereas Dean just kept on his stupid same bullshit for three seasons and treat still treated like still treated Roy like shit all the time. Yeah. So and listen, you can blame the writers, you can blame whoever the fuck you want to blame, but don't blame us for just pointing out facts. <laughs> because I want to read another freaking comment that I actually responded to because I'm like, yo, relax. So this girl wrote, or they wrote, but I know it's a girl. Um, so after my caption where I said, damn, Mr. and Mrs. Forrester really made some shitty kids, she wrote, yes, because being a jerk to everyone around you, flirting with and kissing a girl who's in a relationship, regardless of how he felt about her, and being an ass to a little girl is so awesome. Yeah, sure, the Forrester kids were bad. Jeez. I'm like, oh my god, are you serious? Bitter much? <laughs> Hi, hon, it's a show. It's not that serious. Like, it's not. And the fact that you, you feel you need to come on a fandom page and like okay it's it is serious sometimes with us and like we get passionate but like at the end of the day we know it's a tv show yeah but then she wrote back i'm perfectly aware it's a show and perfectly aware they're fictional characters i'm commenting on my views about the caption as everyone is free to moreover if i were looking for something serious i wouldn't be on a fan page on instagram okay and yet you felt the need to write a bitter comment I'm, I'm just, I just want to remind everyone it's a show every once in a while. Yes, and please... Um, Be nice. Point, yeah, that, and also point yourself to that Cameron Michaels TikTok that I shared a while ago about how um, if you feel the need to go to such great lengths to point out the fact that you don't like something that somebody else does, I think that's on, I think that's between you and Jesus. So maybe just do some soul searching and come back. And here's the thing. We're not even saying don't share your opinions because we like to hear your opinions. For sure. But, like, don't attack each other and us. And, like, comment on someone's grammar when English is clearly not their first language and they're making an effort. Right? Like, that's what that's what gets me the most. It's like, you can tell, you can totally tell when someone writing in English, it's just, it's just not their first language. Like, it's, they're, but they're trying. Like. Yeah. And you're like, um, put some punctuation like, if I tried to argue with you in your native language, um, I'd probably fail miserably, so... It would not go well, so... I don't know. I just want to say be nice to each other. I don't know. And if, like, if ever you feel yourselves getting too heated, just take a deep breath and say it's a show that ended in 2007. Yes, so... Please remember that. And it is it is entertaining for us sometimes when you guys get irate in the comments. But most, yeah. most of the time, it's a bit too much. So please take it down a notch if you can. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's else? it? Mm. Where can they follow us? Well, they can follow us at Gilmore Podcast at, on Twitter. And Gilmore Girls Podcast on Instagram. And if they want to write us an email... Gilmore Podcast at gmail.com. There you go. We love getting mail. We do love getting mail. And uh, we love responding to you guys. You could yes. also DM us. It's fine. We re always respond to our DMs. 
Any thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, love letters, all welcome. No death threats, please. <laughs> That's one thing I'm not going to accept. So. I mean, do your work, so I don't care, but... <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't need some Dixie Chicks nonsense up in here, okay? Not that circus. <laughs> or oh. should I say the chicks because they got rid of Dixie? Well, it's about time. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you next time. Yes. Thank you for listening. Bye.